Uh, let's stand up as we, uh, as we begin looking at Mark 14, 22 to 31, and I appreciate Skip's words as he kind of be, uh, moved us into this conversation about the Lord's Supper uh, and the importance of it and what we see is going on in this moment. Beginning in Mark 14, while they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, take, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee, Peter said to him. Even though all become deserters, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. Father, we thank you for this morning and this time to be together as brothers and sisters, and we pray a blessing on this moment. Lord, and I pray now that you open our hearts and our minds and that your spirit may work in us and transform us more into your image. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Be seated. On September 19th, 1796, the American Daily Advertiser published a letter entitled, The address of General Washington to the people of America on his declining the presidency of the United States. It would be the last address of George Washington about his decision to not seek a third term as president and retire to Mount Vernon. Uh, Maybe you've read it. Uh, Maybe you haven't. I hadn't until this week. Uh, And maybe some of you are just hearing about this final address. I know if you've seen the musical Hamilton... It has popularized the address by having Alexander Hamilton help with writing the words that Washington would place in the newspaper. Washington wrote this final address because he wanted to leave the new country with some wisdom for going forward. He knew it wouldn't be easy, but he also believed that they could do it. Washington was the first president, the victor against the British army, and in some ways the North Star for our young country. But Washington knew that his time was finite and that the country would need encouragement after he was gone. There would be rivalries and there would be struggles as America moved forward, and Washington looked to offer a vision, as he says in the writing, as a parting friend to the country. Here we have in our text Jesus now entering the last moments and days with his disciples. The time is near for him to be handed over to the powers, and and the readers of Mark's gospel must wonder how the disciples are going to handle this moment. I mean, Jesus has been through a lot with this group. He's been a lot with these guys, and he's He's seen their struggles, we've seen their struggles, he's seen their failures, we've seen their failures, and yet in all of this... Jesus still calls them in Mark 14, 14, as he's preparing the Passover, notice what he says. The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with 
my disciples. He still calls them my disciples as he's preparing to go on this final journey of his trip. And I mean, if we're really honest, and, and as we've been reading Mark's gospel, the disciples have not been painted in the best of light. Mark has left the warts on him. He hasn't, he hasn't colored over it. And yet, Jesus in this moment still shows compassion and grace to them. When most of us would have been looking for a new crew, when most of us would have been looking for new friends, Jesus continues to pour into them the lessons of this new kingdom. What is this new kingdom going to look like? And in our reading today, we see this pouring out of Jesus into the disciples. Um, we see an embodiment by Jesus in a pretty scandalous way. I mean, the Passover is being prepared, and Jesus will have one final meal with his disciples. And it is at this meal and around this table where both followers and plotters are going to be sitting. At this table, the disciples will be with him, but they will also be far away from him. And yet Jesus will still break his body and pour out his blood for them. One last time, throughout all of Mark that we've been reading, and I hope you saw that next week in your reading, you got to read a lot. you got to read 15 and 16. But thankfully, Mark didn't finish all of 16, so he finished it in like 12 verses or something. So it's not very long. But one last time, Jesus will embody and offer a way forward in what will be a soon-to-be troubled times. This next week for the disciples will be a rough one. And at this moment, and as this moment is being set, we can't help noticing that it lies between two moments. The first beginning with Jesus' acknowledgement that someone sitting at the very table that he's at will betray him. In verses 17 and 18 it says, When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. One who is, notice what he says, eating with me you got to imagine the awkward conversations this thing started. Everyone looking at each other, wondering if they're the one. And yet Jesus is saying the person who is betraying is not someone on the outside. It's not someone who, you know, they kind of knew. It's not someone they, he healed and now they're getting back at him. No, Jesus says the person who's going to betray me is the person who is eating with me at this moment. The second moment that we read just a few minutes ago uh, is that Jesus says in verse 27 that you will abandon me. He says here, you're all, not some, notice, not some of you will become deserters. He says, you all will desert me. Jesus knowing all of this about his disciples. Jesus sitting here having this meal. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what it's going to look like. And yet he's still willing to sit and eat with them. These disciples, as unworthy as they are to sit with Jesus, will still be offered his life as grace. We're reading Romans in the ladies' class and in the men's class, and it's interesting as we read to see how Paul speaks of grace as a gift. 
And here in this moment, as Jesus sits between those who are plotting against him and those who will desert him, Jesus, as a gift, offers his body as grace to them. It's as if Jesus is teaching them one more thing before his journey to the cross. Within this meal, within this moment, we witness the embodiment of grace and faithfulness toward a group of people most would find undeserving. I mean, how many of us, if we knew what, the, if we knew what our friends were going to do to us, we would just be like, hey, you know what, I'm good, I'm going to go eat by myself. Or we'd look at our friends and say, hey, I've got other things to do and it's not to be with you guys right now. And yet, in the life of Jesus, in his ministry, in his practice, we see that everything culminates in this meal. Everything Jesus has been doing in his ministry. The healing, the teachings, the love your neighbor, the love your enemy, the love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind culminates in this meal as Jesus will break his body and pour his blood to those who are most close to him, to those who will desert him within hours, and to that those who will plot against him as well. And in this one meal, we have all of this coming together. It's a meal that you, I, and many others share every Sunday. And in these last moments, Jesus will transform the tradition of the Passover into what we know today as the Lord's Supper. The bread broken at the table and given to the disciples An act that we witness numerous times within Scripture that we've been reading, right? Jesus fed a multitude. How? By breaking bread. Will now be the broken body for the sake of all people. And by the way, you and I today. Jesus offers his broken body to the disciples, and he's offering it to a group of misfits. And he's offering this as a vehicle to new life. And his blood as the new covenant which will atone for all of our uncleanliness. The disciples do not have to be worthy of the gift or to be, have some form of privilege to receive it. We can read the text to know they shouldn't be worthy of it. We can read the text to know in the hierarchy they're not a privilege to receive it. And get this, they can even receive Christ's body and blood when we believe they don't have the right to. They don't have to do everything right to receive it. Jesus breaks the bread and pours the wine freely to him, even with the expectation of betrayal and desertion. Reflect on that just a minute, that he's willing to do this even with betrayal and desertion staring him in the face. By the way, literally staring him in the face. Most of us in in here would never think about freely giving oneself to another if we knew that the other would betray us at some point. It's an absolute and unfathomable thought that I would give myself to somebody who's not willing to do the same. It's not in human, it's not in our human DNA to do that. I mean, when we think about relationships as being transactional, I will do something for you as long as I know you'll do it back to me. I will give you something as long as I know you'll give it back to me. But if you're not willing to do that, I'm not going to be willing to give my life for you. And yet Jesus, in this moment, at this meal, even today, is teaching us one final lesson of what it looks like to embody him to the world. This meal that we take is different than any other meal. 
It is not for the perfect, but it's actually for the imperfect. Which, if we're honest, is all of us sitting in here today. We are much more like the disciples than we want to admit. I mean, let's be honest. It's easy to read the disciples and say, I would never do that. It's easy to read the disciples and say, well, Jesus picked me. I would have known better. But we're a lot like them. When we read about their misfortunes and their struggles and their unbelief, uh, it's easy to just laugh it off. But every time I read it and I think to myself, I would never, there's this little part of me that says, yes, you would. I mean, if you had the authorities coming after you, you might be looking for the exit before standing up with Jesus. We have all been guilty of betrayal and desertion of Jesus. We don't want to admit it, and a lot of times we don't like to think about it, but we've done it. I know I have, and that right there is what makes this meal so radically different. Because even after the week we've had, Jesus still invites you to the table. And it's Jesus as host of the table. Notice, it's not a disciple, it's Jesus. Jesus still today hosts you at the table and breaks off his body and gives it to you. And pours his blood and gives it to you. Jesus invites you to the table with all of your warts. He invites us as his guest and he offers us a meal and says, take it. It's as if Jesus is saying to us that nothing can separate us from God. And I think I've read that before somewhere. Paul writes, no, we're in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Well, what do you mean by that, Paul? For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, get this, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in who? That's in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's as if in this moment that you took today and with the disciples, Jesus is saying, nothing can separate you from me because you have me in you now. Even those of us who betrayed him and deserted him this week. Jesus says, come, eat, and drink. And if we stop for a minute, and just look back at what Christ says in verse 23. This verse that he says, which is poured out for many. That word many is a fascinating and loaded word, and it has a, a potential for varying meaning, various meanings. And I like what William Platchard says about it. Get this. I like what the Greek does here. The English word many, incidentally, more or less, implies not, but not all. If I tell my students that many passed the exam, I am implying that some failed. The Greek word polon is more open-ended. It means, get this, I like this. It's great lawyer speak when you think about it. More than a few, but not all, but maybe even all. When Jesus says, my, love is, my blood's poured out for many, sometimes we might say, yes, me, but maybe not them. And what the Greek says is, yeah, you really can't do that. You can't shut down for all. So maybe it just means for all. 
throughout the ministry of Jesus and in this gospel, walking with the disciples, uh, and we've been walking with him as well, he has showed us that no one should be left behind. No one. We don't get to make the decision of who's in and out. The Jewish hierarchy, and including the disciples, have been doing this the entire time completely misjudging the shape of the kingdom of God and what it will look like and who will be accepted. This meal, as Mark sees it, will free many from the bonds of fear and death. The blood Jesus will spill at the cross is the beginning of God's finishing work against the powers. There will be power in the moments after the meal. It might not look like it to the disciples, and it may be a struggle for the reading community as they try to figure this out. But Jesus, as we take this meal, is inviting us to join him in the cross. And one thing I know, and I know I've missed it, notice how Jesus talks about the meals to the disciples. Did you, re- did you catch what he says here? We're always used to talking about this being a remembrance, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Mark doesn't write it that way. Mark actually says, take this and drink. It's my blood. Take this and eat. It's my body. Mark has a different way of looking at the meal. Jesus is not telling them to look backwards into the past, but Mark is actually inviting us as we take this meal to look forwards into the future that we, as one who are find ourselves unified with Jesus and all that Jesus confers on us, says there's a benefits to the future in this meal. As we take this meal, we look to the future knowing that a broken body and spilt blood was raised three days later. And so this meal invites us into that knowing that God is not finished and God is still working. It's the foretaste of the future banquet of the kingdom in which Jesus will be a host. Notice what he says in verse 25. I'm not going to drink this again until I get to the kingdom of God. It's as if Jesus is saying, enjoy this little appetizer meal that you're going to have because the next one you have with me is going to be even better. This table is different than most tables because Jesus is saying all are invited. It's eclectic, it's diverse, it's surprising. And I can't help but think of John the Revelator in Revelation 7-9 as he turns his head and looks. And we've read it before, but if you read just before verse 9, um, John is uh, kind of doing a countdown of the 144 or so thousand people and this, that, and the other. So you have this very set number. And then John turns his head. And after this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. It's as if Jesus is saying this table is for all and it's going to be diverse and it's going to be eclectic and there may be people taking it that you're thinking in your head shouldn't take it. And Jesus is saying, it wasn't your blood that was poured out, it was mine and it's for everyone. And in this moment, the disciples are still trying to figure out what Jesus means by the meal and very soon they will see and feel the embodiment of this meal. The meal will take on more importance in the moments after Jesus has talked about his impending death and incarceration, and they have pushed back every time. And now Jesus is saying, please, participate with me in this moment. They will struggle, and we know that. But when they gather around this table again, and it's going to be very soon, it's going to look a lot different. The bread and the cup are no longer the same. It's an invitation to a life of Christ. When they break the bread drink the cup, the disciples will reenact and enact the saving grace and promise of Jesus. They too become ones who will mimic Christ in their lives. 
Coming to the table each Sunday is our call and celebration that life is more than how the world measures it. Our life has been bought and is freed by Christ. And we are reminded and remembered that this week, our life should mimic this Christ as well. In 2007, Randy Posh was a professor of science at Carnegie Mellon University. And in August of 2007, he was given a terminal diagnosis with three to six months to live. That September of 2007, he, would, he gave what would become a viral YouTube video known as The Last Lecture. And during his final lecture, he shared with his students some important nuggets of life. But he shared with them this. One of my greatest mentors was Andy Van Dam, my computer science professor when I was at Brown. He gave me wise counsel. He changed my life. And I like what he says here. I could never adequately pay him back. So I just paid it forward. I always like telling my students, go out and do for others what somebody did for you. I think that's it. I think as we take the meal and we're invited by Jesus as our host each week, we're called to just this. Propel us into the future week to do exactly what Jesus did to us for those around us. And so Jesus welcomes you no matter where you are on your walk, what you've done this week, what you've said this week. Jesus welcomes you no matter what and says, take my body, drink my blood, and then go do it for others this week. Embody that. And I think that's what the disciples were going to need as they begin the week on the as Jesus goes to the cross. And maybe that's what this meal does, is as we look forward, it just propels us forward into the new week to be Christ to the world one more time. And knowing, even if you fail, even if you desert him, even if you betray him, I'm not the one hosting the meal on Sunday. And you're not the one hosting the meal on Sunday. It's Jesus who hosts this meal and says, it's okay. Take my body, drink my blood, and let's try it again this week. That's pretty good news. And that's news I needed this week. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you're like, well, I'm not sure if I deserve it. The one we read about says you are. And the one you read about says, I poured it out for many, including you, including me, including all of us. If you're struggling right now, let us be an ear. Let us be a shoulder. Let us be someone who, who will just listen. But know that it's Christ who invites you here. It's the one who's used to sitting and eating with betrayers and deserters and yet still can give himself to them who invites you into this moment now as we stand and as we sing.